BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say uh, go Bills. Oh, baby. I got a little stuck there for a second. Not your traditional, oh baby, but your traditional smoke break. What is up, Buffalo Fanatics? Z-Bot here with you, live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel on a Thursday evening. And that, of course, can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. Power. By BetUS, where the game begins, receive a 125% sign-up bonus in the link in the description below. We got a lot to talk about tonight in just a short period. In this episode, we will be previewing the wild card matchup just a couple of short days away as the Buffalo Bills, those two-seed Buffalo Bills, those AFC East champion Buffalo Bills, get ready to host Mike Tomlin. Mason Rudolph, Najee Harris, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cannot wait. Very excited for the game. Very excited to have you in. We're also going to preview the other games as well. Talk about potential matchups moving forward if and when the Bills get it done on Sunday. And then to end the show, I am going to fill out a playoff bracket. I'm going to predict each game of the playoffs and inevitably predict my Super Bowl champion. So that's what's in store for you here on the smoke break. And a quick reminder, by the way, when this smoke break concludes at 5 p.m. over on the AFC uh, Roundtable YouTube channel, me, Dan Mitchell, and Kevin Massari will be going live for our second edition of the Buffalo Bills Roundtable. So we got smoke break here until about 5 o'clock. And as soon as that concludes, make sure to make your way over to the AFC Roundtable where we will be doing our second episode of the Buffalo Bills Roundtable with a lot more previewing in store of Bills Steelers. We'll also talk a little bit more about what we saw on Sunday that not only propelled the Bills into their fourth consecutive AFC East champion, but it brought us to where we are today. And that's getting ready to face off against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I saw a graphic the other day that blew my mind. I don't know how you felt all week, but it's still... It really hasn't entirely hit me just how insane everything was to get to this point. I know we talked about it on Monday night during the show, and I said, you know, really enjoy what's going on here before we get into do or die. There's only one team that's going to leave the 2023 season 
with a smile on their face. So no matter what happened getting to that point, we all know what this league is. It doesn't matter what happened after the fact. The Bills losing the playoffs. No one's going to care about what happened to get there. You lose. That's just the it's just the unfortunate reality of sports. Uh, even no no more so than the uh, than in, in the NFL. But this week, you got to bask in how they got there. But it still truly hasn't hit me how insane it was. And the graphic I saw was wild. And it's courtesy of my brother Bartek who sent me this over on Twitter. I, I knew that the odds of the Bills winning the division and getting the two seed were minimal at best. I, I didn't know just how improbable it was. And I think the reason for this, and I mentioned this before, I was so infatuated with just making it in. I never gave really any validity to any other scenario other than getting the seven or six seed. I was so dialed in on these bills going and doing what they had to do just to get in. It wasn't until two or two-ish weeks, really even going into the Dolphins game that it truly hit me and resonated with me that there was more on the line than just getting in. But when you go back to when the Bills lost to the Denver Broncos, go into the bye, uh, around the time, when did, when did this occur? I'm trying to think. Back, I think this is when they, went, when they lost to Denver, right? I think that propelled them to six and six. Yes. At the time that they were six and six, the Buffalo Bills had a 22% chance to make the playoffs. That went even lower after they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. It, it got down to 14% at one point, but it really all depends on where you were looking. There's different analytics, different numbers, depending on where you were looking. It was 22% at the time via ESPN, 14%. It got as low as on New York Times. But beyond that, what's even crazier, at the time when the Bills were 6-6, six and six, they had a point one percent chance to finish the regular season with a top two seed a 0.1 percent chance literally one numeral away from zero percent that's why you got to be so excited about where they're at and you also have to appreciate where they're at at least for the remainder of the week once you get to sunday everything that's happened up until then it's in the rear view it's not going to mean anything if they go out and don't go the distance. I shouldn't say that. It does mean something. It really showed a lot about this team. It showed a lot about Sean McDermott, I think, in particular. It showed a lot about Josh Allen. And it really just showed a lot about this franchise in general and their resilience. So I shouldn't say it won't show anything. But it's going to be hard in the moment of defeat in the playoffs when you realize the Bills are done and you won't watch them again until September and another year goes by without winning a title. It's going to be hard to sit back and be like, yeah, well, at least they won the division. You know, we have four consecutive division titles at this point. We're kind of used to that, which is crazy to say. So it might not be the most comforting thing in the world in the moment, but right now you got to be appreciative of what's happening. And what's happening is the Buffalo Bills do have that two seed. They are hosting the seven seed in the Pittsburgh Steelers, who also got in by the skin of their teeth. They at one point looked like they were going to fade into obscurity after losing to the Patriots and the Arizona Cardinals, but they somehow rattle off three consecutive wins. They are able to sneak into the playoffs based on the loss that the Tennessee Titans handed to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That got uh, Pittsburgh in. The rest is history. Before we get into any of that, I, it would be malpractice to not mention the insanity that this week has been in the sports world. This has got to be a top 10 crazy week of all time in my lifetime. 
for sports, in particular, of course, football. Uh, truly an end of an era, and it really feels like I'm getting old. Even though I'm only 26 years old, this was a gut punch. Tom Brady retiring in general was a massive gut punch. You got to remember, in my lifetime, I had never watched an NFL down that did not feature Tom Brady within the league. And not only that, I had never been able to witness a Buffalo Bills team or an NFL team or an NFL league rather that wasn't dominated by Tom Brady. When that came to an end, it was almost like being in an alternate reality. That happened this past week, almost tenfold. Within the span of 48 hours, the Seattle Seahawks move on from Pete Carroll, one of the greatest coaches of my lifetime, both in college and in the NFL. This morning, we all knew it was coming, but it didn't change the fact that it was just as jarring when it became reality. Bill Belichick, no longer the head coach of the New England Patriots. Out of nowhere, the most dominant college coach probably ever, certainly in my lifetime, Nick Saban, retires. And then you sprinkle on top of that what was the biggest story in the moment, Mike Vrabel, one of the best coaches in this league, after really helping out our Buffalo Bills, and let's not forget it, the reason the Buffalo Bills even have an AFC East title and a two-seed today is because of Mike Vrabel and those Titans. He gets let go. But the focal point here, Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. Next season is going to feel like a glitch in the matrix. As on Saturday, you watch an Alabama Crimson Tide team without Nick Saban on the sideline, and you go into Sunday and watch a New England Patriots team without Bill Belichick on the sideline. The, the dynasty that the New, York, uh, the New England Patriots were, it ended when Tom Brady departed, but it still felt like it had some sort of lingering dark cloud over it for everybody else that was on the other end of that dynasty while Bill Belichick was still there. It is officially done. The New England Patriots that we've known forever, it's over. It's done. And even though it's felt like it's been done for a while now, this was the stamp of certification. It's over. And then in my lifetime, there's not been a single team, maybe in sports, that have been more dominant than the Alabama Crimson Tide. And Nick Saban retires. There's no two coaches ever that could be more, that seem more comparable than Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. And ironically enough, they were on the same staff with Cleveland way back in the day. But those two, it just felt like peanut butter and jelly. And one was coaching at one, in one league and one was coaching in another. The fact that both are gone, it's nuts. It's nuts, uh, and you reflect on it, and it's almost sad. Even the, the Bill Belichick part's almost sad. It's kind of the same feeling I had with Brady. You hated them for so long. They ruined your life for so long. And oddly enough, it's almost bittersweet to watch it end. Because even though the torment is over and that's gone, you're also, as a sports fan, watching the greatest coach of all time leave the place where he solidified that title. And it's a wild realization. And that goes for not only Bill Belichick, but for Nick Saban. Belichick will coach again. Where is to be determined? I don't, I'm not sure Nick Saban will. Rumors are right now that Nick Saban will become a broadcast analyst. I'm very interested to see how that goes. Because unlike Bill Belichick, even though 
Nick Saban has similar demeanor. He is more vocal and he is more fun to a degree than, than Bill Belichick is. So I'm interested to see what that looks like. But just a wild week. And then for Pete Carroll, one of my favorite coaches of all time. I've always loved Pete Carroll. He reminds me a lot of my grandmother who's 91 years old and she's the same today as she was the day I was born. There's not a single thing about her that has changed. She has more energy than I ever will have at that age and she always has. And in fact, she'll be officiating my wedding coming up in September. I mean, that's where she's still at. And Pete Carroll is in his 70s, and that guy looks and feels like he is in his 50s in the prime of his life. Always have loved Pete Carroll, even back in the day when I couldn't stand USC and how dominant they were in the early 2000s. I loved Pete Carroll. And I've always had respect and admiration for the Seattle Seahawks because I love their fan base. They've always been very likable, the Seattle Seahawks. They have an awesome color scheme, an awesome stadium, an awesome fan base. And I was always a big fan of Russell Wilson as well. Uh, but Pete Carroll, major part of that. He's been one of the better coaches in my lifetime. So it's weird that you almost have to discount him based on the fact that the two most dominant coaches of your lifetime also are either changing locations or retiring within the same 48 hour time span, just a wild, wild week in the landscape of football will never be the same because of it. Um, so to Bill Belichick, God bless you, brother. You, you ruined my life forever. But like I said, it'll never be the same watching the new England Patriots without you to Nick Saban. Always couldn't stay in Alabama just because you saw with them what my team in the Penn state Nittany lions could never be. Um, but once again, we'll never be the same watching SEC football without without him. Um, and then to Pete Carroll, just a ton of love and admiration for him, and I'm excited to see what's next. Like I said, Nick Saban retiring. I doubt we see him coach again, but we will see Pete Carroll either in an advisory role in Seattle or, in my opinion, I see. I think we see him coach again. I don't think he wanted to leave the Seattle Seahawks. I think if it were up to him, he would still remain the coach there. I think he still wants to coach. And I think we will see somebody pick him up. Not only are there a ton of open jobs, there are a ton of incredible candidates. I can't remember a time period in my life where there were this many viable candidates for NFL head coaching. It's nuts. So I think Pete Carroll certainly gets calls. But if you think about it right now, for all these teams looking for, uh, you know, looking for their opportunity to fill their head coaching vacancy or to move on from their current coach, perhaps that haven't already, and fill that spot once it's moved on from. I mean, it's it's nuts. Bill Belichick available, Pete Carroll available, Mike Vrabel available, potentially Jim Harbaugh available. It, it, truly nuts, and that's not even mentioning the other candidates that some people think are, you know, destined to get a spot at some at some point. Like perhaps um Eric Bieniemy who has yet to get a chance at being a head coach, right? Um the the OC there in in Detroit Ben Johnson is it? Everybody thinks he's a surefire lock for a for a head coaching spot. So it's crazy. It, it, it's nuts and watching it unfold and watching where these guys end up is going to be crazy, but I don't think it's going to top the craziness that this week was watching all these guys either leave the sport or get prepared to go on to their next move. So wild, wild stuff. Speaking of wild, wild card weekend. 
here we go, folks. Buffalo Bills, Pittsburgh Steelers. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, might even have been a week ago or so, I was on a rant talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I said, my God, for the love of Christ, please, Pittsburgh, just do what you got to do to not make the playoffs. It wasn't because I was fearful of playing them. It was the opposite. It's some of the worst football I've ever seen. I compared them to the Iowa Hawkeyes of the Big Ten. Not only do they have the exact same color scheme in yellow and black and white, they also play an identical brand of football. And that's ugly, low scoring, almost unwatchable, ground and pound, rely on your defense. And the game seemingly always comes down to the wire because of all that, you know, in mind. They're one of the worst watches in the sport, yet somehow Mike Tomlin just, cons- uh, he just solidified what his 110th consecutive winning season. He's never had a losing season. Have you heard that before? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard that Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season before? It's it's truly nuts. This year felt like it was going to happen, especially after they lost to Bailey Zappi and after they lost to the Arizona Cardinals. It just felt like there's no way. They rattle off three straight. Mason Rudolph out of nowhere really has been going off in those three games. And here they are. They slide in. And even though the Bills are the two seed, they, they still slid in themselves. And here we go. Here we go. Two teams that you know, have a bit of a history in regard to their coach. We all know that Mike Tomlin and, and, and uh, Sean McDermott went to the same college, and they battled a few times throughout the last couple of years here. Uh, one's gone in favor of the, the Bills. One's gone in favor of the Steelers. Been a little bit back and forth. We all know how the last time went when these two matched up, and it was a route in favor of Buffalo in Buffalo. If you remember, that game opened up with that unreal deep shot from their own goal line, Josh Allen to Gabe Davis, and the game blew up from there, 38-3. to The Bills won that one. But this is the playoffs. It's a whole different ball game, and the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin are built for it. They're used to it. They haven't won a playoff game in a long time, but they're still a team that's always going to give you a hard-fought battle. You're never going to get an easy day against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't care what the score is. They're never going to quit. They're never going to give up on it, and that's how they wind up at where they're at right now. So let's get into it. We're talking about two teams here that despite optically being on two different realms of the NFL hierarchy, they're both coming in in a similar position. And that's, you know, they've been playing playoff football essentially for well over a month. And in order to get in, they had to get it, get it done each and every week. And the Bills have won five straight. And the New England, or excuse me, and the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers have won uh, three straight. When faced with adversity, when faced with essentially playoff-type football, both of these teams, no matter how they've done it, ugly, dominant, somewhere in the middle, they were up to the task, and they answered the call. And that's how these two were facing off against each other this coming Sunday. The Buffalo Bills are 10-point favorites at this given time. They're well over a touchdown favorite at home. It is the biggest spread of the week. So that means the Bills, out of all of the playoff games this coming week, are expected to beat their opponent the most. And it's understandable because Pittsburgh barely crawls in. They're on now what? Their third or fourth quarterback. And as we'll get into in a minute, the biggest factor, T.J. Watt, will not be playing in this game. So this is a game that is far expected to go in the Bills' favor. Everybody's picking them. And the Vegas odds indicates that as well. 10-point favorites in a playoff game. That is tough. I mean, that, that, that is a tough number to achieve. 
It's very rare that you are that big of a favorite in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, it's also rare to cover that number because that means you're beating a playoff caliber team, a playoff team in general, pretty damn handily. And we've seen the Buffalo Bills as 14-point favorites against the L.A. Chargers and their backups beat them by a couple points. We've seen the Buffalo Bills two touchdown favorites against the New England uh, Patriots and essentially their backups beat them by a couple points. If history repeats itself, the Buffalo Bills, as of late, when they're in these moments of, you know, being massive favorites, they've won. But it certainly hasn't been in the fashion that might be expected based on the number. And you got to wonder if this coming Sunday will be another one of those type of games, especially when you consider what the weather is going to be like. There really wasn't much talk about the weather earlier in the week and going into the end of last week mainly because that storyline has been hijacked uh, based on what's going on in Kansas City. Kansas City could potentially on Saturday night be the coldest game in NFL history. That's why I think Kansas City routes the Miami Dolphins. I don't see how there's a prayer in hell that Tua Tungabailoa goes into those type of elements and beats Patrick Mahomes. But it's still not going to be easy for Mahomes to get that job done. Going to be crazy winds, snow, just brutally cold. So that's been the main storyline. And that's also mainly because the weather, based on the history, should heavily impact the Miami Dolphins. And that's why everybody's talking about it so much. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills, they're used to inclement weather affecting football games. But as the days have gone on, it's seeming uh, it's seeing it's seemingly uh, going in the direction that the weather is going to be more of an impact than maybe previously thought. In fact, earlier today, now I don't think this is going to happen, but a possibility nonetheless. It was reported, uh, and I'll, I'll pull up the tweet here. This was from uh, Andrew Filippani, who is a Pittsburgh radio host. And he reported earlier that uh, his co-host or uh, another host on the radio network, KDAK Radio, Marty Griffin, had had sources tell him that the Bills-Steelers game could get moved to the Cleveland Browns stadium if lake effect weather and state of emergency is declared in Western New York on Sunday. He would go on to say that the Browns stadium officials have been told to, quote, be ready. Now, the way I see that, I feel like that is taking safety precautions early, which is smart just in case. You don't want to get to the point where you get to game day and the weather was fine and all of a sudden it isn't and you don't have any solution. I think the solution here is just being prepared early. I don't foresee that happening, but (laughs) you never know. We're a year removed from the Bills having to take their – one of their home games on the road to Detroit because of how bad the weather was in Buffalo, if you remember correctly, right around Thanksgiving time. So it's certainly not out of the realm of possibilities. But whether or not that actually happens, it just goes to show you how bad the weather is supposed to be. And because of that, that could be a bit of an advantage to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are not only coming off a game that was a must-win. I understand it was against the majority of the Baltimore Ravens backups, but it was a must-win game. And that was essentially a snowstorm in itself. And they got it done. They were able to run the ball early. Didn't go their way as much on the ground later on. But they were able to get out of there with a victory and essentially a playoff game for them. So they're coming into this game 
with those elements already prepared for in a game the week prior in a similar type of setting. The one major reason, however, I think that this could play in the favor of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's why if you go on Twitter today, you'll see a lot of people clamoring once again for a dome to be built in Buffalo. You see a lot of people regurgitating their their old complaints to Terry Pagula about not adding a dome to the new Buffalo Bills stadium. It has seemingly felt like since the Bills are located in Orchard Park that they should be the ones with an advantage when it comes to weather like this. It's not necessarily the case. It's not necessarily how they're built. Really, it's not necessarily how the NFL is built in general in in this day and age. A lot tougher to throw the ball and have a high-flying offense when you are dealing with 40-mile-per-hour winds and an inch or two of snow. But regardless, the reason I think that it might go in the favor a little bit more for the Pittsburgh Steelers is because of their run game. We're going to get into some stats here and compare how these two teams match up. But the one thing that I think is clearly an advantage for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's added to the advantage, the fact that the weather is going to be what it's going to be. Uh, Jalen Warren comes into this game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's averaging 5.3 yards per carry. He's had an extraordinary season, and he's not the only back who's been one of the workhorses for Pittsburgh. Najee Harris is coming off back-to-back 100-yard performances, one of which was in that type of weather in Baltimore last week. So not only can they run the ball and they have two guys that can do it, but the Buffalo Bills defense, when it comes to stopping the run, they have been one of the poorest in the league. They are 24th overall in total rush defense. Just about every aspect, every other aspect, rather, of the Buffalo Bills defense is is one of the best in the league when you get down to the numbers and the rankings. Clearly one of their weakest points is stopping the run. And you better believe, despite the fact Mason Rudolph has been playing pretty damn well the last three weeks, you better believe Mike Tomlin is scheming up a heavy dose of run coming into Buffalo on Sunday. That achieves a couple of things. One, for them, the ability to move the ball on the field. If you just look at it based on the, the numbers, you're playing this game on paper, you would think upper hand for Pittsburgh when it comes to this type of game plan. Like I said, five over five yards of carry from Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, another thousand yard season for him, back-to-back hundred yard days. The Bills have had a real tough time stopping the run. It was one of the reasons why on Monday night, I was saying that I could not believe Mike McDaniel went away from the run in that game Sunday night as badly as he did. The Miami Dolphins had a hundred yards on the ground in the first half. And they would finish the entire game with 108. I mean, that is inexcusable. They ran the ball, I believe, three or four times total the entire second half. And they couldn't get they couldn't get anything going. If you noticed in the first half, especially in the second quarter when they scored all of their 14 points, not only were they running the ball effectively, it was setting up to a tongue of Iloa's ability to implement the play action. And it was probably when he had his most efficient uh, his most efficient drives. They did absolutely nothing in the second half, both on the ground and through the air, but they didn't do anything on the ground because they didn't go to the ground. And that, therefore, took away to his ability to have any sort of creativity in the pass game. The Bills knew it was coming. They dominated the Dolphins all second half, offensively, defensively, and as we know, special teams. Mike Tomlin's not going to go away from the run game. 
He's not going to do it. For whatever reason, Mike McDaniel completely went away from it. I think he panicked a bit. When that game got, well, it was close throughout, but when that game really started to started to heat up, when the pressure was at its highest, he completely went away from it, did not work out in his favor. So you can expect, surely, that these Pittsburgh Steelers are going to come into Buffalo on Sunday with the mindset of ground and pound. As I was saying earlier, there's a couple benefits to this for them. One, their ability to do it. Two, the Bills' inability to stop it. That right there, Work's cut out for Buffalo. But not only that, maybe the biggest aspect, it's time of possession. The only real way you can see Pittsburgh hanging in in this game and getting a a chance at the end to win it is if they keep Josh Allen off the field. Last week, despite the score being as close as it was, the numbers don't reflect what that final outcome was. The Bills' offense dominated. As we know, they squandered almost every opportunity given to them to put points on the board. The Bills had nearly 40 minutes of possession time last week to Miami's 20. Huge factor in the Bills' ability to win that game because they kept giving themselves more chances, even though they were blowing the majority of them. You know how it goes. The more cracks you get at something, eventually the the odds of you hitting on it are going to happen. They're going to increase. The Bills gave themselves more and more chances. More and more time with the ball, less time for Tua, Tyreek, and Mike McDaniel to come up with something to to counter it. Advantage Bills. So, you know for a fact, with a banged up team, a backup quarterback, and a team that can run the ball, they're not only going to want to run it because they can, they're going to want to run it because they're going to want to keep the ball away from Josh Allen, who has extraordinary numbers in the postseason and is currently riding a five-game win streak where even though he's had his struggles, and you could argue at times there are moments where he almost blew it for them. He also is the main reason why they are where they are today. He is the main reason, despite Sunday night almost being the main reason they blew it. He was the main reason they won it. So keeping him off the field has to be a major priority for Pittsburgh. It all makes too much sense. The other factor, though, even though the Bills have struggled against the run, it does feel like when they know it's coming, that's when they're able to do their best. And you know for a fact that's going to be an emphasis in the Bills locker room this week. It's going to be an emphasis for for Sean McDermott, making sure these guys are ready to attack the run. So that's one of the big factors in this game, and there's several. But if you look at what's really the dichotomy of this game for both teams and how they match up, almost every category is advantage Bills. Outside of this run game, it's almost all advantage Bills. Buffalo Bills right now coming to this game offensively sixth in points per game, fourth in yards per game. They also have the best third down conversion efficiency. And even though at times it just feels like they aren't clicking as fluidly as you'd like, the numbers show that they're capable at any time. And we saw this last week. They're capable at any time of turning it on and laying down their whole foot on the gas cruise into a victory now the Pittsburgh Steelers some of their D numbers look great but when you get down to the nitty this is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus performance line a feeling this dynamic is invite only fortunately you're invited Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus performance line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, 
now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Gritty, that defense is not nearly as good as you might think. And it gets a hell of a lot worse when we start to factor in TJ Watt's absence. I got a whole thing on that that I'm going to get to after this because that is about as big of a loss as a team can suffer. It is, in my opinion, the biggest loss a team can suffer outside of their quarterback position. You ask anybody from Pittsburgh if they'd rather have TJ Watt in that game than any of their starting quarterbacks, they'd sign up for that in two seconds. You imagine going to the Buffalo Bills organization and saying you can pick any one of your defense, or you can pick the equivalent, I guess, would be Ed Oliver. You go to the Bills organization and say, who would you rather have in this game, Josh Allen or Ed Oliver? You have to bench one. It's a no-brainer. You go to Pittsburgh, T.J. Watt's going to be the answer no matter who you ask, uh, or, or no matter who you put in that scenario that has to be benched. He is the biggest loss for this team, and if you look around the landscape of the league, he is one of the biggest losses a team can face. It's a whole different team without him. But their defense right now, Bills sixth in scoring, their defense sixth in points allowed. They're only average. They're, they're only allowing roughly 19 points a game. That's really how they've gotten here. And they're really good at stopping in the red zone. They're in the top five in red zone efficiency on defense. Also pretty, pretty good collectively in the pass game when it comes to completion percentage. They're in the top six in that, cat, uh, that category as well. But there's certain aspects of the defense that can be exploited. Right now, their best defensive player in the secondary is Joey Porter. He has been terrific. But Patrick Peterson has certainly been their Achilles heel, and it's something that Sean McDermott's going to want to exploit coming into this game. He is allowing over 100 passer rating when he is targeted. Joey Porter might be the guy you go away from in this game. Wherever Patrick Peterson is lined up, that's where you're going to want to go. The one thing to me that stands out the most when it comes to this defense and really their inability to uh, defend certain areas of the field, their weakest element might be their inability to stop tight end production. They were one of the worst defenses in the league when it came to defending tight ends. When tight ends were targeted against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they, they allowed an average of a hundred passer rating when those two, uh, or when those tight ends are being targeted. And as we know, the Buffalo bills love getting their tight ends involved and Sunday night was no different. Dalton Kincaid, that might've been the best game of his young career. I think that was the best game of his rookie season so far. And we all know Dawson Knox comes in and gets a much needed touchdown for these Buffalo Bills when the offense couldn't find a way to put points on the board. We know the Bills uh, are, are capable of getting their tight ends involved. And when they do, it's awfully efficient. That's going to be an area that Joe Brady is going to want to emphasize on Sunday. Pittsburgh has a tough time defending tight ends. It just so happens the Bills have pretty, two pretty damn good tight ends. And if they're able to get those guys involved, it should be fruitful for the Buffalo Bills offense. The Pittsburgh Steelers run defense, similar to the Bills, not all that great. The Bills 24th in total uh, rush defense. Pittsburgh's only 21st. And they're equally as bad at stopping the quarterback run game as well. When it comes to... Uh, yards allowed to the quarterbacks. They rank 21st in the NFL as well. James Cook's coming in, 1,100-plus yard season. And Josh Allen, this is the time of year where they're going to unleash the full Josh Allen experience. 
You understand throughout the year wanting to limit the amount that he runs, wanting to limit the amount of hits that he takes. It's this point of the year where you take that Band-Aid right off and it's go get him. And go get him, he did on Sunday night. Uh, That was about as much as you're going to see Josh Allen run the ball. And what happened, Uh, especially late in the game when it was needed the most, Josh Allen went nuclear on the ground. I mean, when he gets a full head of steam, when he's running the ball, there's no quarterback in the league with that type of skill set. I say it all the time. Lamar Jackson, he's the best runner in the league at the quarterback position. But Josh Allen's a whole different animal. Lamar doesn't have the ability to run you over. He doesn't have the ability to just simply take your soul out of your body the way Josh Allen does. And when it comes to games in this type of weather and these elements where running the ball is probably going to be more crucial than other games, this is going to be key. And as you go and look at the numbers, it's no secret that Josh Allen's going to be running the ball this coming Sunday. And as they continue on the playoffs, he's going to continue to run the ball. You go and look at the numbers earlier in the season and Josh Allen did not get Josh Allen did not break 10 rushing attempts in a single game until when two weeks ago against the new England Patriots. He had not had a game where he ran the ball more than 10 times once the entire season until the Bills squared off against New England. He had 11 carries in that game. And up until that point was his second or third highest, rather, yards on the ground in a single game. So you can see it being turned on in that moment. But they'd turn it up to 11 on Sunday night. Up until that point, 11 carries for Josh Allen. That's a season high. Josh Allen ran the ball 15 times. On Sunday night for 67 yards, a couple of those runs being plays of the game type plays. And he was running the ball exceptionally well. He was averaging nearly five yards a carry on the ground. So let's factor in Pittsburgh's struggles defending the run similar to what Buffalo has, but also equal struggles in defending the run from the quarterback. That's where if you take the advantage I think the Steelers have on the ground, it might offset it a bit because Mason Rudolph ain't going to be running the ball the way Josh Allen is. It's a whole other element that you're starting to see be unloaded. You're going to see the whole arsenal deployed as the playoffs get underway. I mean, the stats clearly show you what the plan's going to be. Hadn't ran the ball more than 10 times once the entire year. You get down to the last two games. That's when he cracks the 10 attempts per game mark. And then you get down to the game that was as much of a playoff game as all of them. They all really were, let's face it. But no more, you know, no more so than, than Sunday night against Miami with the two seed on the line and the AFC East title on the line. They had already clinched. With as much on the line as they've had all season, that's when you saw Josh Allen run the most all that he has all season long, and he runs for the second most yards that he had had all season long. So game plan might be a bit more obvious on both sides of the ball than maybe other games this coming weekend, but you still got to stop it. Everybody knows Josh Allen's going to want to run the ball, especially in moments that matter most. Good luck stopping it. Actually, I think that was a quote or a topic rather in the episode of Hard Knocks Tuesday night 
from uh from the voiceover guy, I forget his name, but uh when it when it came to Miami. By the way, if you haven't watched that yet, do yourself a favor. That is a must watch television. It was essentially a cinematic version of what Sunday night was. It was unbelievable. Give that episode and everybody involved in Emmy. Holy cow. That was unbelievable. I, I, I wanted to watch it four or five times right after I finished it the first time. It was just incredible. Watching all of that unfold, not only in favor of Buffalo, but of course, the other direction for Miami and watching it the way it was made, it was extraordinary. But one of the parts was talking about, you know, Miami being on the sidelines, talking amongst each other, saying, we all know Josh Allen's going to want to run the ball now. These are the big moments where he's going to want to run. And the voiceover guy comes in and he says, knowing what's going to happen and stopping it are two completely different things. And it would go on to show highlights of Allen just running all over. So Miami might know it or Pittsburgh might know it's coming. Good luck stopping it, especially when they've had uh, struggles stopping it all year long. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk about what they've done through the air. We know what Josh Allen's done through the air, and we can talk real quick about what his playoff numbers have been because they have pretty they have been pretty damn extraordinary. These playoff numbers for Josh Allen, if we look at what he's sitting at right now, uh, just over 2,300 pass yards in the postseason, 417 yards on the ground, 20 total touchdowns, a passer rating just south of 100 and only four INTs. That, that five TD to one interception ratio is nuts in the playoffs. Let's hope he finds a new version of himself in that regard this coming postseason. If Josh Allen can stop turning the ball over, this team can beat anybody at any given time by multiple scores. You go back to a variety of these games this year. Even if you just remove maybe one of the turnovers in the game from Josh Allen, the Bills win much more handily than they had. You go just back to Sunday night, you take away one of those three turnovers, the Bills are winning that game by two scores, and it never comes down to two having the ability to even try to put together a drive that we all know failed miserably in less than a minute. Um, so we know the numbers from him. Mason Rudolph, however, out of nowhere, no one's really talking about him. This offense was struggling immensely under Matt Canada. They fired Matt Canada, and things got a bit better. But it wasn't nearly to the caliber it's been with Mason Rudolph. When they had... Mitch Trubisky out there, not good. When they had Kenny Pickett out there, not good. In fact, Kenny Pickett is fully healthy. He is capable of making the start if, if Mike Tomlin wanted him to. He doesn't want him to. He's going with the hot hand, and that's Mason Rudolph. 3-0 and in three consecutive starts. 110-plus passer rating in all three of those games, and he has yet to throw an interception. So... Even though the name Mason Rudolph doesn't seem like anything crazy, neither did Bailey Zappi, neither did Easton Stick. Both those guys went against the Bills, gave a valiant effort, and made that game come all the way down to the final minute. Mason Rudolph has the capability of doing that, and when you compare him to those other two guys I just mentioned, he is a better quarterback with a better run game behind him. So even though it seems like a, an easy write-off, Mason Rudolph, it isn't. The way he's been playing as of late, it's going to be a lot tougher task than meets the eye when you just read Mason Rudolph makes the start for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Buffalo Bills. He's had three consecutive games where he has been a, a, a real positive element of this Pittsburgh Steelers team. But the biggest negative factor in this game is on the Pittsburgh Steelers sideline, and that is the absence of TJ Watt. Like I was talking about a little bit earlier, 
there's no bigger loss a team can suffer in this league outside of the quarterback position than the Pittsburgh Steelers losing TJ Watt. This is as big of a blow to this team as you can possibly imagine. Let me break it down for you because when you when you hear the numbers and the difference that this team imposes on other teams without him, it's really the definition of night and day. In 11 games without TJ Watt, the Pittsburgh Steelers are one in 10 all time. Their only win coming in 2022 over the Tampa Bay Bucks, 20 to 18. So out of 11 games without TJ Watt, they won one game by a two point margin against the struggling Tampa Bay Bucks team. And they only uh, they only scored 20 points. They're allowing 27.1 points per game in those 10 losses. Insane. This Pittsburgh defense without TJ Watt, on average per game, allows nearly 30 points. This also has an impact on the offense because the worse the defense is performing, that usually means worse field position for the offense. It also usually means less opportunities and drives in time of possession for the offense. So not only are they allowing just south of 30 points per game without him, their offense is only scoring. 16 points per game in those 10 losses. So you do the quick math. They're losing these games nearly every time without them. But not only are they losing these games, I mean, they're getting routed. They're losing by an average margin of nearly 11 points per game without TJ Watt. In those games, they scored 17 or less, seven out of the 10 games. They allowed 29 points or more in four of the 10, two in which were 38 plus, and they're allowing just under 400 yards per game at 381 total yards of offense without TJ Watt. If you remember correctly, the game I was referring to at the top of the show, the last time the Bills faced off against the Pittsburgh Steelers was in 2022, and those Steelers were without TJ Watt. That was one of these 10 losses they have suffered without him. It was a clinic for the Buffalo Bills offense. 38 to three. Whipped them by five touchdowns, and it was never close. So we have a similar experience under our belt in this exact same situation. Bills at home. Against the TJ Wattless Pittsburgh Steelers team, they won by 35 points. It's unbelievable the difference in, in caliber that this team possesses without one single guy on the defensive side of things. They're a completely different ball club. I mean, once again, I'll reiterate a couple of these because it's it's nuts. One in 10 in 11 games without TJ Watt. Losing by an average of nearly 11 points per game. Allowing nearly 30 points per game. Only scoring right around 16 points a game. And the only win they had was by two points against the Tampa Bay Bucks in 2022. So that right there, disregard just about everything I said earlier when it comes to what the Steelers want to do, what the Bills want to do. Above all anything, this is the biggest factor by a very wide margin 
I'd honestly argue with TJ Watt in here, that spread right now, the Bills currently are 10-point favorites. I bet you that spread's down to about seven and a half, eight. If TJ, if TJ Watt plays this game. So major disadvantage for Buffalo or for Pittsburgh, major advantage for Buffalo. But let's talk about the Bills kind of moving away a little bit from taking advantage of, the, of, of advantageous situations. We already talked about a couple of them. Chargers without Justin Herbert. Chargers without their head coach, without their GM. Game comes down to a field goal at the end of the ballgame. Patriots reeling. Patriots without their starting quarterback. They're down to their third quarterback, second quarterback, whatever at the time. Injured all over the place. Comes down to one of the final moments of the game. Sunday night. I understand the Bills destroyed a healthy Miami Dolphins team in week four, 48 to 20. But Tyreek Hill was banged up. They were missing Waddle. They were missing Bradley Chubb. They were missing Jalen Phillips. They were missing Xavier Howard. Came right down to the wire again. The Bills are susceptible at any given moment to play down to their competition, regardless of their injury situation or who they are as a football team. This is a massive, massive, massive loss for Pittsburgh. It does not mean the Buffalo Bills go out and route them. They still have got to play sound, clean, fundamental football and execute on offense in order to get out of here with a victory, especially one of some sort of a do- dominant volition. You can really make a statement here. You remember what the statement was a couple of years ago against the New England Patriots at home. I've never seen a statement quite like it in my life. Bills are on a five-game win streak. They back into the two seats somehow, some way. This is the point now where you can really show everybody that that wasn't a fluke. We are here, and you better get ready for it. You take that into week two, and you build on that from there. I personally think this game is going to be far closer than the 10-point spread indicates. The reason I think that is because I do think Pittsburgh's going to be able to run the ball. I do think that's going to result in less possession time for the Buffalo Bills offense. Based on the amount of turnovers that Pittsburgh's D has forced this year, I do think we see Josh Allen turn the ball over. I believe he only has three games this entire season where he hasn't turned the ball over. We're going to see at least one turnover. I say it all the time. You should pencil in at least one turnover for Josh Allen. You just hope that when he takes that one step back, he follows it up with two, three, four steps forward, right? But you should probably factor that in. And then I'll also take into consideration that Mason Rudolph has not been playing Poor football, 110 plus passer rating in three consecutive games, won all three and hasn't thrown an interception. So I do think that this game is going to be closer than advertised, but I just don't think Pittsburgh's got enough in the tank. I don't think they have enough talent to get out of there with the win. I think they have enough grit. I think they're very well coached. I think they have the heart, the coaching, and the tenacity to keep this game close and to give Buffalo a crazy ball game. But over the duration of a 60-minute football game, I just think the Bills pull away just simply because they are the better team with not only the superior quarterback, but when you look at the numbers comparatively, the Bills are the better team from top to bottom, just about every single category. The weather, we'll see how much of a factor that is. 
I will say, when the Bills put together the perfect game against New England in the wild card round a couple of years ago, I remember wearing like seven jackets for that game. That was one of the coldest games I had ever been to. Outside of the wind bowl game earlier in the year that I had went to, that was pathetic, but that was more so wind than it was cold. That game against New England where they won by an infinite amount of points, that was one cold mother effing game. And it didn't slow them down at all. That was one of the biggest beatdowns I have ever and will ever see in my lifetime. So we'll see how much the weather impacts the game, if at all. But regardless of the elements, regardless of the injuries, I just think the Buffalo Bills come out on top this weekend, as many are predicting. I just don't think it's going to be a blowout like many think or like the Vegas spread would indicate. Speaking of spreads, quick reminder that this show is powered by BetUS. Receive 125% sign-up bonus in the link in the description below. And as we get into the playoffs, we all know what's at stake. The Buffalo Bills' first ever Super Bowl title. And for me, just getting there. I was, I was thinking about this the other day. Just getting there would be massive for me. It would take getting to the moment to understand just how much it would kill me if they lost it. But I think I, I would be able to look back on it and just say, my God, getting there, this up until this point has been the greatest moment of my fandom when it comes to these Buffalo Bills. I mean, it hasn't even been close. Now imagine having the opportunity, should the Bills make it, to go to that game for free. Well, BetUS is providing that right now. They are doing a Super Bowl ticket giveaway. Here's the deal. You go over to BetUS, you sign up in the link in the description below, you get that 125% sign-up bonus. You make a $25 wager on the NFL, $25-plus wager, that's it. You screenshot that. You head over to Twitter, and you tag BetUS in the tweet, and you tag the friend in the tweet that you would take to the Super Bowl with you if you won the tickets. Then you put the hashtag SBLVIII, and you tweet it off. Just like that, you're entered to win. And who knows? The Bills could make it, and you very well could be there 100% free. If you have any confusion about what I just said when it comes to the rules, take a quick screenshot of this promo that explains the entire giveaway, courtesy of BetUS. BetUS, America's favorite sports book, where you can bet on everything, anytime. Sportsbook, casino, horse racing, live betting, and more. We have the best bonuses in the industry. That's right, get a 125% sign-up bonus. And to celebrate our 30-year anniversary, we are giving up to 30 risk-free bets, a truck, Super Bowl tickets, and more. Don't miss out. Play smart. Join now. BetUS, where the game begins. All right, make sure to go take advantage of that awesome, awesome giveaway. We only have a couple minutes left, but I want to take advantage of those and do what I told you we were going to do earlier because I got to get this done before the playoffs start. I got to get my predictions in. So remember, in three, four short minutes, we're going to be going live on the AFC roundtable and doing an episode of the Buffalo Bills roundtable. But before we get into that, let's fill out a quick bracket here. My official quick predictions as to what I think is going to happen in these upcoming playoffs. So let's get into it. 
Texans Browns. I can't deny what Joe Flacco is doing with these Cleveland Browns. I, I think the story is incredible. He's slinging the ball over the field and that defense is nuts. I have all the respect in the world for CJ Stroud and the Texans. This is going to be a hell of a game. I think the Texans have every opportunity in the world to win it, but I think the defense prevails for Cleveland and they give the Houston Texans the loss. They move on to their division rival, the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round. Chiefs Dolphins not going to spend a whole time, a lot of time on this one. I just, I don't see a world where the Miami Dolphins go in and get it done in Arrowhead with those elements. I, I just, I cannot possibly fathom it. If it happens, it will be one of the more shocking developments, in my opinion, this entire season. Give me the Chiefs. And then the Bills, for all the reasons we just talked about, give me Buffalo against the Steelers. That'll set up the divisional matchups in the AFC. We go over to the NFC. Look, I think the Bucs could very easily beat the Philadelphia Eagles in round one. The Eagles are playing some of the worst football in the league. I believe they're one and six in their last seven. But Tampa Bay has not been looking very good either. There's been games where they'll spike. There'll be games where they'll go right down. There's no, in, there's no consistency. I just think Philly edges it out by that much just based on sheer will. It's going to be an ugly-ass game. I don't anticipate this one being a... Uh, an, an instant classic, but I think Philly just barely edges it out and they're going to meet their demise the following week. This game, incredible. Lions, Rams, you got Matt Stafford going back to the place where it all started in Detroit. That alone just gave me chills. That's nuts. And the lost element in all of this, Jared Goff going against his former team, the team that kicked him to the curb for Stafford, he brought him to a Super Bowl. He's going against his old coach and Sean McVay. This is one of the matchups of the weekend. To me, I think this is the matchup of the weekend. I think the Rams are the, one of the scariest teams in this playoffs right now. They remind me a lot of the Bills. Flying under the radar. You hadn't paid attention to them much because they were struggling at times throughout the year. They're hitting stride right at the perfect time. Give me the LA Rams. Matt Stafford going and ruining the uh, the, the nights of the, of, the, of the fan base that rooted uh, for him for so long. Give me the LA Rams. Here's my upset, folks. Not that the Rams game wasn't. I don't think that's a huge upset. This is a huge upset to me. Like I've said to you all year long, I thought the Miami Dolphins were the biggest frauds in the entire league. That's until I saw the Dallas Cowboys. I understand they have been terrific at home. They're scoring 40-plus points at home. They've been dominant. Go look at who they've played against at home. This team, I have no trust in them. I don't trust McCarthy. This just seems like a moment going against his former team. Another crazy storyline. This just seems like one of those moments where it all it all falls down, the dominoes fall in a perfect fashion for everybody but the Dallas Cowboys. Couldn't you just see Green Bay, the team Mike McCarthy spent over a decade with, Super Bowl champion with, couldn't you see them with a first-year starting quarterback going into their place and beating them as a seven seed? Jordan Love's got an 18-to-1 touchdown ratio over his last handful of games. Give me the, Give me the Green Bay Packers. I don't know how. I don't know why. I think it's going to be an amazing game, and I think Green Bay pulls it out late. I don't trust Dallas. Real quick, as we move on, I'll tell you this right now. The Ravens are the best team in the league, but the last team they're going to want to see is a Cleveland Browns team that's already beat them this year. It's, it's to me, the worst matchup that the Baltimore Ravens could possibly hope for because these two teams know each other extra extraordinarily well, and the Browns just got something about them right now. I don't know what it is. I got an upset here. Give me Cleveland and then the Bills for the first time ever in the playoffs hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. 
I have to be there. I will be in attendance for that should it happen. It's going to be unbelievable. The Chiefs are reeling, and it just feels like the Bills are the better team this year, and it just makes sense. Give me the Bills to set up a Browns-Bills AFC championship. Could you imagine this shit a handful of years ago? You would would have been sent to a clinic if you told people that was going to be your AFC championship. Now let's move to the NFC. 49ers, get it done against the Packers. Sorry, Eagles, but it's just not your year. You you, you got bad at the wrong time. Give me the Rams. And there's your championship games. Browns, Bills, Rams, 49ers. And I'm just going to be real quick because I got to get to the other show. I got the Bills going to the bowl. And I got the L.A. Rams upsetting the San Francisco 49ers. McVay edges it out just barely against Kyle Shanahan in an all-time thriller. These two are bitter rivals. This game's going to be nuts. No one saw the Rams. No one saw them coming. San Francisco, they've been the best team in the NFC all year. How could they fold? Rams get it done. It's Bills, Rams, and the Bowl, and we finally, after all of this time, after forever, the Buffalo Bills, they're Super Bowl champions in a year where Sean McDermott's character and coaching was questioned, in a year where they fire their offensive coordinator because things just were not clicking on offense, in a year where they were 6-6 six and six with a 14% chance to make the playoffs, a 0.1% chance to get a top two seed. They win the AFC East. They get that two seed. They get it done in the playoffs. They make it to the Super Bowl, and my God, they end up doing it. As my buddy Dan Mitchell says in the show, you will see him in a couple minutes with me. It's the greatest story ever told. And in order for it to be the greatest story ever told, it's got to have the greatest ending ever told. Give me the Buffalo Bills taking it all. Folks, thanks so much for joining me on a quick one today. We will be back, of course, Monday night, your regular scheduled programming, 7 p.m., Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. We will be recapping Wild Card Weekend. We will be recapping Bills Steelers, and hopefully we're talking about that W, and hopefully we're talking about moving on to the mother effing divisional. But until then, make sure to hop over to the AFC Roundtable. Tune in with me, Dan, and Kevin. And also make sure to check out BetUS's link in the bio below, 125% sign-up bonus. Also, that Super Bowl ticket giveaway. Enjoy the game, folks. Let's get it done. I'll see you Monday night. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe and go mother effing bills. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.